Thank you for listening to this week's message from North Shore Christian Church. For more information about North Shore, please visit northshorechristian.org. Good morning, North Shore. Good morning. It's good. It's good. Damien kind of got you guys juiced up. I appreciate that. I am lead pastor Scott Harris. I've got a, a couple of announcements here before I kick into the message today. Uh, I want to start with the, the way of maybe encouragement for the green envelopes, you know, our first and best offering. And, you know, you know we started last week. You know, I don't have any numbers or, or for you. I know we, we, we received a lot of envelopes. Uh, just this time of year, our finance department's all on vacation. <laughs> so it's like, oh, so I, I'm waiting and curious, but it really isn't about the money. I mean, one penny could come in. Uh, it's about the faithfulness, right? That's what I want for you, for me, is to have a heart that is full of faith, trust the Lord, and that we are not held in bondage by money, which just grips you know, the Western culture. Um, so I just pray for you in that. Um, and I just uh, trust that God is going to do a good thing. And, and my, do, my prayer is that we would all just be excited about what God's doing as we head out into our communities bringing the gospel. So excited about that, um, to talk about that. Uh, next week, some, uh, a couple of sermon um, you know, announcements here. Next week, uh, we will be having a guest speaker, my friend Jared, who wrote a book called uh, um, Sandbox to Museum, and it's about deconstruction, uh, deconstruction of faith, which is an absolute uh, serious issue right now in uh, the U.S., and it's a plague in a lot of us. I have so many conversations back there with many of you talking about your loved ones walking away from faith, reshaping it, uh, deconstructing it. Uh, and we are beginning to measure the number of Christians leaving the church in the U.S. in uh, the millions. So it's a, a serious issue we got to step toward. So anyway, he wrote this book. He's been studying a while. We've talked over the last about 18 months a lot about it. And then when the book came out, I said, why don't you come out and talk to the church? And so we're going to have a Sunday morning he's going to talk. And then the table, which is a ministry, uh, we've only done it once, but what we want to do at the table is uh, it's not an actual table, right? But it's this uh, idea that what we need as uh, faith families to get around the table and have hard conversations, but have them in a hospitable way. So uh, the table is, you know, having uh, conversations, creating space for conversations, hospitable conversations around Christian faith and culture. And so uh, we're going to talk about deconstruction with Pastor Jared. So he'll be here Sunday for the messages and then on Monday night uh, for the table. So he uh, recorded a little message for you. So I'll let him speak for himself here. North Shore, if I owned a physical calendar, I uh, would have circled November 19th and 20th in every color I could find. Maybe I'd have found one of those pins that you could select all the different colors. All that to say, I am... Uh, expecting great things as I'll be with you uh, for both Sunday morning and for Monday evening at the table. And uh, what we're going to be discussing is what to do when the faith you knew doesn't work for you anymore while avoiding the pitfalls of modern deconstruction. So we're going to have a fun time Sunday morning. I hope to bring an encouraging message, um, a challenging message about such things. And then we'll dive deeper. On Monday night, we'll talk through uh, essentially whatever you want to talk through about what it takes to purify your faith without losing it. So maybe it's you. Maybe you're wrestling with your faith. Maybe it's your kids. Maybe it's your grandkids. Uh, maybe there's great concern that uh, they're leaving the faith. Listen, this is gonna be the weekend for you. So I'll be bringing my new book, it's called Sandbox to Museum, and it deals with all these things as well. So looking forward to seeing you, we'll see you soon.
Awesome. Excited about that. Yeah, so it's going to be great. So um, again, it's something that you want to invite your friends and neighbors and family to. Make sure you show up and then uh, come to the table. It's going to be amazing. Again, again, it's going to be a dialogue, conversation, and you will shape it. And so, but in important conversations. And then the week after that, um, I was uh, slated to speak on the classic Thanksgiving, one on gratefulness, right? And so, but I've changed a little bit. So uh, here's my message, right? God is good, be grateful. Okay, there you go. Shortest sermon ever, right? So I, now I've given it, um, but I've asked Sanjay to come out and speak on a really important topic. And that is around the his, history of the conflict be, between Palestine and Israel, right? Uh, I don't know if you know this, but there's a conflict right now going on there. And guess what, folks? It's not new. It finds its roots all the way in the Old Testament. And so it's important for us as Christians to better understand it. And if you have heard Sanjay speak, um, he just has a grip of uh, how biblical history and world history and these things, and it's amazing. So I thought, you are the right person. Come on out here and share with us. And so that's going to be a powerful one. And many, many people are asking questions about that. You know, now we're not, you know, going to take some big political stand, but we have to understand what is scripture saying and what's going on so we can better understand it and then uh, choose a course for ourselves and what to do there. So that would be the week after. So not next week, the week after that. And then we start our Christmas series, right? So, um, and we need that after talking about deconstruction and war in the Middle East, we get to talk about Emmanuel, God with us, right? Come fix it all, Jesus. It's what he does, right? So the news gets good, but it's going to be amazing. And I can't believe we're talking about Christmas and Christmas series, uh, but it's going to be an amazing um, four to six weeks here at North Shore. So make sure you show up for those things and invite your friends and family, okay? So uh, last message on welcome to North Shore, okay? So I was thinking, here's the best way to, uh, to get into this last message. I want to invite you to stand. Will you stand with me real quick? All right, you good? You're a little scared, I can tell. Come on, jump up there. Say, trust me. Uh, uh, so let's do just that. Will you greet those around you and just say, welcome to North Shore, okay? Take a second, just a fist bump, handshake, greet one another. All right, all right, good job, good job. Um, love it. I mean, really, uh, I love those sounds. I know, I just imagine God loves those sounds as well. And so I know he's pleased. And so the appropriate thing would be to just end the service because that's it, but, uh, but we won't. I got a little chatting to do, so uh, it's good. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. And, you know, we've been doing a lot of topical studies. We've been doing this Welcome to North Shore, which really is our membership class. So you've been sitting through the membership class, and we chose to do this because, like any and every family, and this is a family, it ebbs and flows. And so there's been so much changes over the last you know, X number of years here that it, that, hey, let's just reintroduce to those that have been around here, uh, this, is, this is your church. Here's North Shore. But also a lot of new people have been showing up, 
right? A lot of new faces. And so this is an opportunity to introduce them to North Shore and say, welcome to North Shore. And where this culminates is tonight at 6.30, right? Right here, we're going to have a membership celebration. I'll talk about it a bit more at the end of my message. Uh, but I really want to encourage you right now to set apart in your mind uh, that uh, you've come, right? And I'll just do this. I'll talk a bit more. Pie. Okay, you heard that. Just write that down. Pie, okay? Uh, and Sandy and I were shopping uh, for some of the pie and, uh, and, and she is very practical and wise, and I'm nuts, right? Just, that's just our life, so pray for her. Uh, and she'll hear, this should be enough. So, nah, get more, right? So I was looking out for you, meaning there could be more than one piece, right? Come on, come on. Uh, anyway, come and hang out. I'll talk about uh, that more a little bit later in the message. If you have your Bibles, uh, we're going to be all over the place. We've been doing these topical uh, studies of, of these things, and we, we love expository preaching. We'll get back to that here soon. Uh, but, you know, to talk about the things around membership, we had to go all over. And I'll be all over the place. You could choose to try to follow me. Most of the scriptures will be there. I will quote a lot of them. But if there's a place to land, uh, and I will read it here, is in Colossians chapter 1. So you turn to Colossians 1, and if you hear nothing enough of this message, I'm hoping that scripture you hear today. So I'm going to talk about leadership and membership today. Leadership and membership. Leadership starts here. Matthew 16, 18. Jesus talking to Peter. And he says this. On this rock which is Peter's faith he's talking about. Um, I will build my church. Okay, whose church is it? Jesus' church. It is Jesus' church. On this rock, on your faith, I'm gonna build my church. And Jesus is ahead of his church. He said, Colossians 1, I told you to turn there. Listen to this. And again, if you hear nothing else, you need to take a nap. Right after I read this, lights out for you. Um, listen to this, what it says about Jesus, okay? Colossians 1, starting at verse 15. Go through 20 here. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things and in him all things hold together. Uh, verse 18, which you, you have here. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent, for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Whew. Love this, love it. Jesus is ahead of this church. This thing that we're doing, we call church, um, we call North Shore, is about Jesus and him only. So in leadership, uh, it starts with Jesus. He is the lens of all things. It's how we look to the past. It's how we look to the future. It's how we order our steps right here. It's the launch for everything. 
It's Jesus. It's Jesus. It's his church. One of the greatest uh, moments in staff for us one time, someone reported back to us, somebody that was, started coming to North Shore for the first time. And they asked, what do you think about North Shore? What's your experience like? She said, well, one thing I know, you guys really are into Jesus, right? And I tell you, I mean, you talk about fist bumps, you would have thought we won the World Series as a staff, right? Chest bumps, like, yes. If someone, and it wasn't a criticism, if they're gonna criticize us, that's when I receive, right? That place is about Jesus. Yeah, we are. Uh, he is preeminent, uh, He is the head of this. This is for him and by him. Everything we do uh, starts there, finishes there. He's the alpha, he's the omega, right? It's Jesus' church. What he does in Matthew 16, uh, when he's talking to Peter, he says, on this rock, I will build my church. Okay, and I believe he's talking about Peter's faith and that faith expressed, because that's what just happened. So he's gonna take this church, his church, and he's going to give it to man. I, I say kind of cheeky a lot. You know, I love football and I play a lot of football in my day. If there was one pass that I could have intercepted in all of history, it would have been when Jesus was tossing the keys to Peter, I wish I could have gone said, no, I know us. Don't give it to us. <laughs> Take it, keep it. Um, but he did, right? He did. And so as we look at leadership and Jesus is that first phase, um, he told the church to do something else historically. So when he was establishing the church in the New Testament, right? Um, what we see is that the, the leadership that passed from Jesus, right? To the apostles, right? Filled with the Holy Spirit, Right? They gather around the apostles' teaching, Acts 2. And then we see those apostles go out and they begin to appoint elders. Okay, so elders is the next level. Here at North Shore, what we want to do, and I hope this is good news to you, we want to follow scripture. Right? In church uh, governance, polity, um, it isn't a slam dunk. Right? I mean, churches do it different, and there's space for difference. For example, the first churches I worked at were congregational churches. Any of you have been part of a congregational church? Right? Okay, good. So you know what it's like. You know, you vote on everything, and they come for you, right? Okay, yeah, there's, there's some space for that kind of conversation. It's not unbiblical, right? You know, we just see some clear things in Scripture, so we grab that, and we want to give space and leeway for other churches to have their polity, their governance. I'll tell you, the congregation-run thing for a pastor, it was scary. Um, if you've ever been part of it, here's what it is. And my wife here, many times, a whole family, you go to the annual meeting, you talk, and then pastor salary time. So I have to get my kids, go hide somewhere where we couldn't hear, and stand there waiting for the door to knock that we can come back in. Because they would talk about us and then vote. You know, <laughs> I have no idea what they, you know, later on, the, the chairman said, well, this is what they decided, is Weird and awkward, but so it's there, but there's other power in it as far as buy-in and stuff. But we look at scripture, Acts 14, 23, um, is you see Paul and Barnabas, when they're setting out in their first missionary journey in the book of Acts, planting churches, what it says there in Acts 14, 23 is that they established elders in every city. They appointed elders. Titus 1, 5 Paul, leaving 
Titus in the island of Crete, he says, Titus, appoint elders in every city. So we see the early church is what they did is they had spiritual leaders appointing elders in the church. So North Shore, our next level of leadership under Jesus is elders. Elders, right? And so it's interesting about, and you hear me, you may not be picking this up, but I say elders plural. Okay, you picking that up? Because as we see in the New Testament and they are appointing elders, they never say appoint an elder. And I believe for this reason, the power of eldership, the elders of this church is not in the individual. There is no individual elder that is powerful or holds any more power than you, has some influence. It is in the collective, the plural board of elders where the power you know, lies the authority, right? For this reason, because it's not about them. Who's it about? Jesus. So that collective is to come together uh, and pursue Jesus together and then, you know, lead the church. So uh, it is elders is the authority. So it's Jesus, elders, right? Plural. And then for them, what is their duties, okay? And for their duties, you really have to grab three Greek words in the New Testament that speak to that office of elders, right? And those three words give you a window into what is their duties and their roles, right? And the first word is presbyteros, um, and that's the more, most common word. And that word in the Greek actually means aged one, right? It really does. And so why a lot of times you see churches with elders and they're old dudes, right? Because what that aids and what it's pointing to is this, is that there is wisdom through AIDS, there's experience, there's learning going on, right? There's maturity. So that is what that overseer, elder, uh, Presbyterios comes in. Presbyterian church, right? Elder run church, you heard this. The next Greek word is episcopalio. Sounds a little familiar, episcopalian church, right? Uh, also that is um, translates to the word bishop. And that is overseer, ruler authority. So they are to oversee the church. So these aged ones, mature ones, ones to be modeled and examples um, are also to oversee, rule the church. Okay. And then the third word is polemio, which we get the word pastor from. Okay. And that's probably the least frequent associated with that. Uh, and that is, you know, where the list gets big. And it may be endless, but you think in the terms that it's given us in a, you know, shepherding uh, world, the idea of a shepherd, they would understand it, is to care, right? To, to nurture, to protect, in particular for, for false doctrine, but also physically and all those things. To teach, to instruct, to guide, to model. You can just keep going of what a shepherd a pastor is to do. Now the complexities with that one is you've got two things. You've got the office of pastor, right? Which is translated into elders. And then there's a function of pastoring, right? So at North Shore Christian Church, um, I am the only pastor elder. We have a board of elders. I'm on it. 
and I am one of the pastors in the church, uh, and I'm also an elder, right? Uh, because of this. But you have a lot of people with the title pastor in here that it speaks to the function that they're doing, right? Are they caring for you? Are they shepherding you? Yes. Um, do they have a particular authority? Yes, not eldership authority, right? Um, uh, do they care, nurture, shepherd, disciple you? These things, yes. So uh, that polimo is elder, but also, or also pastor as far as the shepherd, that you experience a lot from them, okay? And so in those duties, um, there comes in now to a qualification, okay? So how, if we're going to appoint them from spiritual leaders, that's how North Shore works, right? Um, and then these are what they're going to do, right? The functions of them. What's the qualifications? And there's three main areas in scripture. Uh, you've got Titus, 1 Peter, but 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. I want to read that with you in just a second. Probably the, the, the highest concentration of scripture that gives the qualifications for an elder. Okay, so let's read that together. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. All right, ready? The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach. And I'll just give a little comment as we're walking through this. First of all, um, one should aspire, desire to be an elder, right? And what that is aspiring to is not power. Because an elder is a servant, Right? In the likeness of Jesus is denying yourself there. But you should desire the spiritual maturity where you would be appointed an elder from your spiritual leaders. So this is a noble thing to aspire toward, right? Not because of the power, because of the maturity. Uh, he desires a noble task, verse 2. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, meaning you must have a good name in your community, Right? How we, well, I'll give it to you in a second. Uh, the husband of one wife, right? Uh, is supposed to be a man that is faithful to his wife. Remember this, this there's a lot of polygamy in their history, but also uh, around different cultures around them. So um, one wife and faithful. Some of you like this kind of stuff, so a little side note. This is where the Catholics get the practice of a priest being celibate and not married. Well, how do they get that from that? Because what they say, the wife, the bride, is the church. He is only married to the church, no other one. With me? We don't practice that. <laughs> okay, so talk about that later if you want. Be sober-minded, right? Sound mind, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money, he must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, um, how will he care for God's church? Verse six, he must not be a recent convert or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders so that he may not fall into disgrace and into a snare of the devil. You know, so what you see is um, uh, an elder, right? Needs to be, you know, pursuing God, mature, uh, of good character and of good reputation. 
you know, where our church comes in in selecting, our spiritual leaders um, appoint an elder. But what they do and where we collectively come in, these people that you nominate come before the, 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 the body, not to vote on them, but to say, what is their reputation? And if there is a violation, which happens sometimes, they don't go further. Right? And so this is how the partnership works in an elder-led church as far as selecting elders. Right? The spiritual leaders do appoint those, but they check for the qualification. Now, what's really important, because I know we have elders in here, okay? These fit much like the Ten Commandments, okay? Um, this. Do you think humans could uh, fulfill the Ten Commandments perfectly? No, I'm hoping you have some good moments there once in a while, right? Hopefully there's some times you choose not to kill somebody. Good, good, good on you, right? Uh, uh, but what happens is there it says, uh, I want you to know this so that you understand your need of pursuit of God, right? So this is the standard Ten Commandments. You need to pursue God, but now I'm going to create a, a system of sacrifice that you acknowledge I can't fulfill that. I need an intercessory. And that's God ultimately, it's this place that Jesus steps into. Eldership fits this same thing. There's no human that's that perfectly, right? They would have zero elders. If the standard was, oh, you, I saw you mad once. Ah, sorry, disqualified, right? Hey, your, your kid was screaming like a stuck pig in the lobby. Sorry, you're done. You know what I mean? No, it's, it's about... You're the pursuit, who is this person pursuing? How do we look at their life, right? Um, and does this speak of their pursuit and some victories they have? It is not a checklist of perfection because nobody measures that up. And as soon as you did that, we're right back to the law, the Pharisees, and we don't need Jesus. And it creates monsters in us, uh, how we view people, right? Now we become the judge, you with me? versus an evaluator and partners. So um, you elders, I got you. <laughs> but it's true, right? So that is a qualification for an elder. Um, here's our elders at North Shore, okay? So up on the upper left-hand corner is Roger Gray. Um, scripture does talk about the wives in spiritual leadership. So um, his wife, Peggy Gray, uh, he's the chairman of our board. Jeff Enns, uh, his wife, Shanna. Mike Smith, his wife, Michelle. Scott Harris, his wife, Sandy. Down in the bottom left-hand corner, Jim Billings, his wife, Tammy. Uh, David Jackson, his wife, Pam. And Joe Reistrom, his wife, Andrea. And uh, this is David Jackson before and after picture. Um, no, uh, typo. That's David Wallace, Dave Wallace, okay? Uh, there in the bottom right, and his wife, Casey. Those are our elders at North Shore. Now, the eldership is, in a sense, always open. And I mean by this is um, you can nominate an elder anytime. Now, there are seasons we come in and say, hey, church, we, we, you know, we, we, we want a minimum number, right? Depending on the, the things that are, they're managing, overseeing. Um, and and we, we create that number. And sometimes we'll invite you to say, we need uh, a name. But constant. If you see somebody says, boy, that is elder quality, eldership person right there, nominate them, right? 
And we come in there and, and God may move that board to bring him in right now. Their name may sit there for the time that uh, it, there's a spot that it we're led to open up. But in that, um, it's important uh, to know that. Um, so uh, if you know that person, they're sitting right next to you, write a name and submit their name, okay? So now for elders, okay, the next level of our leadership is this, is staff. We have a, a phrase uh, that we speak of, we don't quote it from here much, but is elder governed, staff led, volunteer run. All right, so our elders basically hire staff and hire some staff to hire other staff, right, to lead the church. And so our staff is, we talk about Ephesians 4 a lot. We say this, is your job, staff members, is to Ephesians 4 it. And you'll see why. And so our staff, the role is to equip let me read Ephesians 4, verses 11 and 12 uh, for staff. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the shepherds, and the teachers, verse 12, what? To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. So these roles uh, that we've generated as elders that are staff positions, and you know, there's always these arguments, is, is paying staff, Biblical, yeah, you see it throughout scripture. Um, and we ask them to run uh, the ministries, right? To lead them. But what they're doing is three things, right? And we talk to staff and Pastor Pat and I always say, this is what we want you to do, right? This is what scripture says, is this is, first, number one is to identify. Identify where people are at in their spiritual journey and what their giftings and callings are. So I'm hoping you engage in staff and they're pouring into you, they're discipling you, and they are looking to where your gifts, what's your callings, right? And then they take that next step and they equip you. They train you, they develop you, they create spaces so you can grow in these areas. Challenge you, stretch you, right? And the final thing is to release you. Now to take you and the calling that you have in your life, the giftings that you have, um, and release you to do that so you in turn could identify, equip, and release. And what happens in that, you create a beautiful, powerful, gospel-centered army to go do the work that God has. See, here's the thing about it. North Shore will never be the church that God has it to be unless every single one of its members are fulfilling their, their calling with the gifts he gives them. Now we're hitting on all cylinders. Every spark plug's firing. And now that's our potency to do the work that he has for us through North Shore Christian Church. Right? A church has never, ever been about slide in, grab a message, get home. Never. That is not biblical at all. It's about being equipped by those people that God has appointed, right, to do the work of the ministry so that the body would be built up in love, right? Because this army of Christians has been given this weapon. You know what it is? It's not a gun. It's not a bomb. It's love. And it's a radical love. 
It's a love from heaven in the person of Jesus into our life and the Holy Spirit working into us so that love will go out and change and transform the world. It'll defeat every evil, every stronghold. And here's the thing, you guys. We saw it work 2,000 years ago. You're sitting right here because love conquered the world. Now, it feels like Satan and sin wins out here. Um, I know in times where this is all going based on Scripture, um, but I do believe God gives us some spot, many revivals heading there, and that's what he wants us to do. He wants the gospel to come out of this army. So a staff is to equip us to do that. Let me whip through the, uh, uh, is it a staff picture? What's up next, Ben? I'm gonna, I didn't do this the first service, so if you're staff members, no one knows who you are. All right, there's uh, myself and Pat Lassard, executive pastor, go ahead. We're gonna go fast. Good, our worship and arts media, see them there, okay. Our adult discipleship team. Some people are part-time, just so you know. Student and young adults ministry. Go ahead. Our North Shore kids ministry, working hard right now. Hoping I don't go too long. Um, missions and outreach. Keep going. The ministry admin team. Uh, the academy administration. I'll talk a bit more about that in a second. A business office and human resource. Uh, all on vacation, uh, our facilities and custodial team. All right, I think that's it. Okay, so we're gonna do the shared values. So in our staff, we talked about Ephesians 4 and their role, right? Uh, and we talked about some shared values and I don't have time to talk about all of them. Uh, I do wanna talk about one of them in particular. If you have your notes in the backside or the list of these values, and these are the values that we've just seen God move on our hearts. We've seen uh, who we are and what these values we have and, and some things that we wanna aspire to. So let's whip through them quick, okay? Eyes on Jesus, talked about that already. Focused on him. Go up. Good. Cultural celebration. We do not want to miss anything that God's doing. We make a mistake and only celebrate if you've just been healed um, from a deadly disease or you just got uh, out of prison and then everything's mum. No, no, it's everything, man. God shows me how to teach my, my, treat my wife better. Guess what? That's a movement from heaven. Uh, I give you grace and forgiveness. Guess what? That is God kind of stuff. And we need to celebrate it, right? Here we go. Uh, go. Uh, boom, being family, talked about that. That's what scripture calls us. Keep going. Culture of honor, love and respect in each person and their role and not thinking too high of ourselves, scripture says, and letting people be who they are and fanning that into flame. Next, uh, love shows up, being like Jesus, showing up. Okay, too often we don't go to be with people and help people because someone else will or oh, it's gonna be a bother. Guess what? Jesus showed up, you show up. We need to show up. Go ahead. Uh, equip the saints. Just talked about that. And this last one I want to grab. One more. Right here. Church Academy Partnership. Uh, embracing uh, this gift and challenge that God gave us. Here's the deal. Okay. Some people don't even know this. We have a school here. Okay. Um, and some of you know it. Uh, so often I'll take somebody, I'll maybe take them back to a class or you know, my office is back here. I'll take them. They have no idea we've got three levels of buildings. There's a three-story building right behind us right? Uh, there's two fairly large buildings, two-story buildings behind that. There's an incredible playground. I think I got in trouble, but I'll say to you, you want to bring your kids, this is an amazing playground. There's pickleball courts that I think the world championship of pickleball we played on. It's so top quality, great field, right? Uh, back there. People don't even know it's back there, right? Because most of the time, you might have even heard of it or not even know, when you have an academy or a school and a church, 
In my days, I've had a couple of those. It's in the classroom in the basement where all the mold's at, right? And it's some sort of a hybrid homeschool, about four kids, right? That's the school and church. We have over a thousand students here, K through eighth grade. Uh, it is a beautiful mammoth. It is huge. And we made a decision to be right on top of each other here, right? So, you know, guess what? All these things, uh, you don't pay for it alone. And the same is true of the academy. You know, they have this big, bright building, better than most schools around here. Well, how? Because there's a partnership of the church and the academy work together in this season of Christian education. It's been beautiful and powerful. A little stressful, a little straining, uh, but we choose grace because what it allows us to do, uh, and we're all part of it, okay? Whether you know about those buildings or not, we're in together. They could not exist with what, without what you do. We couldn't exist in the same way without uh, what they do, right? It's a beautiful, beautiful partnership. So uh, we love that Church and Academy partnership. Okay, um, I gotta get more on that here. Go to your next slide. Um, is the church body, okay? So the next level of leadership after staff is you, the church body. Uh, Romans 12, verses four and five says this, that um, we are all members of one body. And I love this. And these members belong to each other, right? And these members belong to each other. We belong to each other. Ephesians 5, 21 says um, that we need to submit one to another. It's a message to the church. So a next level of leadership is you guys listening, learning from each other, leaning in, caring for each other. So you look at that leadership, Jesus is the head, right? You got our elders, we have our staff, right? And we have the church body, right? And we are called to submit to those as the Bible guides and instructs us. And all of that is a package deal to help spiritually grow you uh, and your families. And then to come together to reach the world for Jesus. Right? So it leads into this next piece, and that's membership. Okay, membership. Okay, because that's us saying, hey, yes to all this. And membership's not a new thing. I've over the years had many conversations. Membership isn't biblical, right? So don't raise your hand if you believe that and thought that. But membership is biblical. I'm going to take you back to Genesis uh, chapter 17, verse 10. Okay, it's up there. Okay, good. Uh, this is God talking to Abraham, and he's given him the Abrahamic, Abrahamic covenant, right, that I'm going to use you, Father Abraham, to build this family, this people group, Israel, and it's going to be more numerous than the stars. And there's going to be a way that this family is going to be identified, and that is something called circumcision. Right? So I want you to circumcise, yes, himself and everybody and anyone else that comes into this, and that is going to be a sign. Aren't you glad that you're New Testament Christians? Right? Uh, but here's this thing uh, this outward sign was really a reflection of something that was already happened inside. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 6. God says, I am circumcising your heart so, so you will love God with all your heart and your mind, right? So the circumcision was this outward sign of something that would happen inside that God transformed and changed them. And that's still true today in the New Testament church. 
you know, our new covenant family, right? Is Jesus going to the cross and dying for our sins? He purchased back his bride that sin robbed and he purchased it with his own blood, his own body and went to the grave and rose again so that the church could be with him, his people, this ecclesia. So the new covenant is Christ's blood and what it meant. And then how we identify with, once we've accepted it by faith, and we have that in our heart. Matthew 28, 19 to 20, right? The great commission. Go and make disciples, right? People, followers of me, right? And do what? Teach and obey everything I've said, right? So what a member does, and the outward sign that we're to do, uh, is to submit to Jesus. And one of the first things we submit to, should submit to Jesus is baptism. That becomes our sign. Romans 6 is clear. That is the indicator that you are in union with his death and his resurrection. And your life has been transformed to walk into newness of life. So baptism is the way you say, I'm part of this family. That is the sign that something's happened in my heart. I've repented, accepted Jesus by faith. And then you walk out his truth, right? All that Jesus commanded. You live out his word and how the Holy Spirit is living. You be faithful to that. So it starts with submission to Jesus. But then it goes this next level because part of Jesus' plan, submission to your elders. You're called to submit to your elders. I want to read this one. Hebrews 13, verse 7. Listen to this. Obey your leaders and submit to them for they are keeping watch over your souls, talking about elders, as those who will have to give an account. It just talks about the burden of eldership. When you are in charge of this collective people's soul, right? That is a heavy, heavy weight. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. I gave the illustration this morning that uh, it's like when, when I was a young punk kid, uh, you make life hard on your parents, don't you? Right? And I was a youth pastor forever. I meet with these kids and their life is miserable. The parents and them are fighting and there's, you know, they're acting like me, a knucklehead. And um, I said, dude, you're making it hard yourself. You know, you have a whole lifetime to do whatever you want. Just kind of obey and fall in line a little bit. It's gonna go better. Your life will be better, I promise you. All right? But boy, they don't get it. I didn't get it right. <laughs> um, same thing with you know, submitting to elders. God has given them a call. They are called to serve you. And everything I've already said, um, and our job is to submit so that they're, they're calling, what they're doing is a joy, is a joy, right? Too often, the only time a spiritual leader hears from you is when you're complaining or you've gossiped about it and they hear it uh, in, the, in the back door, right? Is that true? Let's be honest with each other. First is, you know, that's hard. It's really hard. You're not perfect. I'm not perfect. We're all sinners. Um, let, let's, let's just partner with each other. Let, let's stop being so mean, right? Uh, and let's submit. I'm gonna guarantee you, church, it'll go better for your soul. Guarantee you, you know, on the authority of scripture, right? So we have to submit to our elders. It's important. Um, 
Now, with that, you know, uh, we have this beautiful mutual responsibility. So it's not a blind obedience. Galatians is clear that we have to watch our doctrine closely. So we have to partner with everybody, including our elders, and keep those things in check. So you aren't supposed to be a robot blindly following. You've got the Word of God. You've got the Holy Spirit. Get in relationship and conversation. This is a family, right? So make sure you hear both elements of that. And then finally, submit to one another. I've already quoted Ephesians 5.21, right? Listen to each other. Learn from each other. Let people speak into you. Um, it's important. Learn. This is where life groups come. This is where discipleship comes in. Um, and when we do those things, um, man, we hit, hit all cylinders, right? We are the church that Jesus appointed us to be called North Shore Christian Church. Right? And then we're going to see the gospel do the work that Jesus has it to do here. And I think it's going to be a powerful, good work. Right? So the last thing on membership, 1 Corinthians 16, chapter 3. People say, well, yeah, I'm a member. I show up here. I don't need you know, th this uh, you know, commitment and all this thing. Uh, 1 Corinthians 16, 13. And I'll ask the worship team to come out and close with this thought here. Is this. Um, it's Paul talking to the church at Corinth. And he is using all those Gentile churches in, in the Greece area and in, in northern Turkey. Um, and they are making a collection because the church in Jerusalem is really struggling, persecuted in poverty. So they make a collection. And so now they're going to take this collection. And Paul's telling the church of Corinth, I'm going to come and get it. And then we're going to take it down there, right? Um, but he says this, um, I want you to have some people come with me so that you have a confidence that I'm not some nutty televangelist and go spend it on airplanes and stuff, right? Um, no airplanes, you got it. But um, he says, um, you know, bring the letter, the acceptance letter, meaning what this letter would say, right? They're with us. They're part of this family. We're gonna give you a letter that says they're in this. They're under our authority, Right? They are speaking up to us. They're part of what God is doing from this congregation. Here's your letter, right? That's where this comes in. That's why we do this. You know, we see it in scripture, right? And it's good for all of us for this because it's you raising your hand. I'm with you. I'm with you, right? And I'm telling you this, I just love you guys. I hope you know that. Church is family. It's hard. It's hard, really hard. Um, but God wants us to stick together, right? The church is the only army that kills itself, right? And membership is say, I am in through thick and thin. That's why I celebrated Pastor Paul last week. You know, I said, man, you are a legend, dude, right? Because you have staying power. You only get like that because he, he went through the ebb and flows that every family goes through, took the hit, stayed loving Jesus, loving the scriptures, stayed engaged, and we get to celebrate 25 years. That's a hero of faith, right? We're all called to that. Man, let's, let's ride these storms out because it's going to be rough. Scripture tells us that. But let's do it together. We're family, right? And membership is a way. So I want to encourage you to come tonight. And if you've been here for 30 years, the whole 30 years, I want you to walk in that door tonight at 6.30 with your chest puffed out. I really do. I mean, I don't condone pride, it's unscripture, so maybe this is not, uh, what's Paul say? The Lord doesn't say this, but I say this. This might be this part of the message. Um, but here's the deal. You've got staying power. You have survived 
the storm. You look through church history, man, they came in in crutches and bandages because they were contending for the gospel. And they withstood the fire. That's you. That's you, man. Uh, if you are new, you come with your chest and say, I want to be part of something. The world's running from the church and running from the spiritual battle. I'm in. I'm in. I will submit to the things that God says in his scripture and to a church that says it's Jesus first, for Jesus, for this community. And we believe it's the only hope. And I believe revival will come out of that. But we got to raise our hand and say, I'm in. So you come, right? Uh, and be part of it. And let's sit down, uh, celebrate that together. And if nothing else, if that doesn't inspire you, grab a piece of pie, right? I love it. That's what families do. They sit down and they eat, okay? Uh, we're going to sing a song. I'm going to invite you to stand up. Uh, and it just talks about Jesus. Have your way. Have your way. And, and this is, it's have your way. You are the head of this church, right? This is your body. You do your thing, and we're going to fall in with that. But secondly, I understand you may have come here needing a message other than about leadership and membership. Right? God loves you. I want you to step into Jesus wherever you are, whatever you need, right? Uh, and let him have his way, right? Let him love you, care for you, guide you, empower you, nurture you, whatever the good shepherd has for your journey. And then come to your brothers and sisters here, your family, maybe you're visiting for the first time and you're just broken. Life doesn't make sense. Just come and, you know, in prayer and, and just stand in with Jesus uh, and, and let us love you.